Well, as always, thank you so much to all of those who have helped to put our worship service together. Um, for Bob Eden, who was our liturgist this morning, for our Wesley Choir and praise singers who have led in our music, um, for Gary Brubaker, who puts everything together um, for our music, thank you so much. Now, um, we are starting this new series called Who's Who in the Bible. Um, talking about some of the people in the Bible you may not know, or maybe some of the people who you may not just not know much about. Um, we'll talk about Saul, which became Paul. That's this morning. And we're going to talk about Deborah from the Old Testament, Samson from the Old Testament. We'll talk about Mephibosheth, who, I mean, I'm pretty sure like everybody wants to name their child after Mephibosheth. Well, that's getting ahead of us. Um, also from the Old Testament, Gideon, um, and then Lydia um, will be the last one in the series, and she's from the New Testament. So we'll talk about who they are, what, who they are in their totality, imperfections and all, because as human beings, we are not all perfect. We're working on it, but we're not there yet. Um, and sometimes I think we forget that about people who are in the Bible, that they are humans. Um, so we'll talk about them, imperfections and all, what their stories tell us about their faith and how they influence ours. So this morning, Saul, who became Paul. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> well, for the most part, um, the besides um, the Gospels and even the Book of Acts, the New Testament really isn't one of those that you would call a storybook. Um, most of them, are, most of that following the Gospels and Acts um, are letters to churches who are being established or establishing. And many of them are written by Paul, who we're going to talk about today. Um, and so they're not really like the stories that you may remember or hear like in the Gospels or in the Old Testament. Um, and so there's some change in styles of how stories got told or how things got um, got spread out. Um, the Old Testament was largely an oral tradition uh, where stories were passed along for generations and generations until the exile, and the Jewish people realized that someone needed to record these stories in case they started to forget or um, they were no longer able to tell these stories. So especially with Paul, um, letters were written and read throughout communities. And we all know that telling a story is really different than reading a letter. And so I think that's why a lot of times when we think about people in the Bible, we tend to think about Old Testament folks because most of those are stories and are usually um, easier to remember about people and their stories. I mean, besides like the Jesus-y ones. Um, but the Gospels and the Book of Acts also have some great stories. And the letters of Paul, especially, um, not all of the letters uh, in the New Testament were authentically written by Paul, um, although many are attributed to Paul. Um, scholarship will say that Paul did not write all of them. Um, and in the letters that Paul wrote, we also learn a little bit about who Paul is and was, um, a little bit about more, more and more of his story as well, as he shares little details about his life or his relationship to the churches that he's speaking to. 
But then there's the book of Acts, which also tells us a little bit about Saul or Paul's story, um, along with others. The longer title of the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. Um, The even longer title is Luke Acts of the Apostles, um, because the same author who wrote the Gospel of Luke also wrote um, the book of Acts. And the book of Acts leaves, uh, starts where the Gospel of Luke picks up. So it's sort of like... um, uh, it's not a trilogy, but the duology, I don't know, I'm just making up words, but um, they are a series together. Um, and the book of Acts tells stories of the early church, um, how the church began, like the story of Pentecost that we heard last week. Um, it also talks about some of the disagreements of the disciples and others who were in the early church, um, how the church seemed to function in the very beginning um, it talks about some missionary journeys of sharing the gospel. So it talks about how how the church, the or or a movement, the Christian movement came to be. Um, and it's not. Um, I think a lot of times when we think about how the early church came to be, um, we think that uh, everyone got along and everything was just harmonious and perfect. And that's not true. Um, there were disagreements among the disciples, even between Paul and Peter, um, which um, we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but there were disagreements about how to worship or um, who would be involved in this movement, in this church. Do you have to follow the Jewish laws? What if you've never been circumcised? So there was a lot of conversation that was happening. And we, fe- we find some of that in the book of Acts. Now, we do hear some of Saul or Paul's story in um, the book of Acts, and we hear some of the beginnings of Paul and who he is. Um, we, again, we do get some more of those pictures through his letters as he shares details about his life. Um, but we learn about what kind of a preacher, what kind of a missionary, what kind of a disciple he was. Now, <clears throat> much like many of the people, okay, all of the people throughout the scriptures, Paul is complicated. I mean, show me a human being who isn't complicated or complex, and I'll just wait, right? I mean, we all are complicated and complex, and Paul is not immune from that either. Um, Now, I will be very honest to say that I have a complicated relationship with Paul. I think many people do. Um, There are things that I truly admire about Paul and his faithful witness, and there are some things that I really disagree with about Paul and uh, some of the things that he said, or at least is alleged to have said. So, complicated. We can sit down over coffee and have a conversation about that if you want. Um, We'll probably need, like, a pot of coffee, but it's fine. But let's talk about Saul, who became Paul. So we first encounter Saul um, at Stephen's stoning in the book of Acts, and Paul was, Saul was the one holding the coats. Now, Stephen was the first martyr of the, the Christian church, and he was stoned for blasphemy. Um, and so uh, Saul is present at this, holding the coats, and um, Saul and others describe him as a Pharisee. So Paul was a, uh, Saul was a Pharisee in the Jewish tradition. Um, in some of his letters, he calls him a Benjamite of, of, a Benjamite of Benjamites, um, which is a tribe of the people of Israel. And in particular, the Benjamites are known for their bravery. 
Um, and so Paul is telling people, I am a Hebrew among Hebrews. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Basically, like, he's a, he's a big shot in the Jewish tradition. <clears throat> now, um, the book of Acts also tells us that Paul was a Roman citizen. And there's some allusions to this in Paul's letters as well, that, um, uh, that Paul was a Roman citizen, but he often kept that quiet um, for whatever reason, um, which meant that sometimes he received punishments or consequences for the things that he did that weren't really lawful for him to ha- for it to happen to him. So um, sometimes when he was arrested or thrown into prison or stoned or whatever, sometimes the punishments that he received he should not have received as a Roman citizen, um, but he kept that a little bit quiet sometimes. Um, <clears throat> Speaking of punishments, Paul received lots of punishments um, for preaching the gospel in various places. And those punishments included being in prison, um, being, you know, um, on trial. Um, He also was stoned at least once that we know of. And the stoning that Paul um, received uh, was um, being thrown off of a cliff and then like a boulder being thrown on top of you. Um, So it's not like the stoning that we think like everybody picks up a rock and throws it at you. This is a different kind. Um, And we know that this happened to Paul at least once, possibly more. Like, it feels like Paul is like superhuman with some of these. Um, So uh, some of his letters especially talk about the challenges that he has, even within his own faith, after receiving some of these punishments and um, and some of the pain that he's in both physically and emotionally um, and spiritually uh, in, in, in his life's journey. Now, Paul himself didn't consider himself a great preacher. And to be honest, um, a lot of others really didn't consider Paul to be a great preacher either. Um, he was, however, a great writer. Um, he wrote letters to many churches and and continued this relationship with them after he started them or encouraged others to start them. He continued this relationship with them through letters, which, because Paul wrote some of these letters, um, the parts there's parts in his letters where he say, "I signed this with my own hand." Um, sometimes he was dictating because he was in prison. Um, sometimes he wrote them himself, which meant that Paul was educated. Being, you know, a Benjamin, a Benjamite among Benjamites, a Pharisee, that's not, that's not surprising that he was very educated and probably also had a, a, a fair amount of money as well. So we know Paul as the strong influence in the church, not just then, but still today. But every story and every one of us um, has a beginning. And throughout our own stories, we have so many moments in those stories, right? Um, And some of those moments are our shining achievements that we love to talk about, right? Like, oh, remember that time that I won the World Series? Remember when I spoke in front of 12 million people and everybody cheered? We love to tell those stories, right? But that's not all of our life. All of our life isn't our shining moments, but there's lots of, of ordinary moments, maybe about the times that I washed the dishes or the times that I walked around the block. And then there are some of those moments that aren't even that shining or ordinary, but maybe those ones that we just, we don't want to talk about, 
Maybe those times that we know we hurt someone or the times that we knew we did something that was wrong or harmful. We have those moments in our life as well. And maybe you can think about one of those specific moments for you that you wish that you could take back. Maybe it was something that you said or maybe it was something that you did. Maybe it was a joke or a prank that went really, really bad. Maybe it was words spoken in anger, or maybe it was the way that you treated someone else. But a moment that you regret or wish didn't happen. And maybe it was more than a moment. Maybe it was a period of life for you or a season. Now Saul had many of those moments. And how would you like to be known for those moments for the rest of your life? I mean, especially if you've made a significant change in your life. I mean, would you want to be known for who you used to be? And so Saul has this conversion experience with Jesus. On the road to Damascus, he saw a vision of Jesus. And Jesus said to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I think an experience like that could change anyone. I mean, if you were walking along the road and suddenly you had this vision of Jesus who said to you, what are you doing? I think that would be enough for any of us to be like, what am I doing? And so after this experience of of Jesus saying, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? Um, Saul falls to the ground and scales cover his eyes so he can't see. Now, this isn't the only vision that happens. Um, Ananias, one of Jesus' followers, saw a vision also and heard from God saying, um, go to Saul and care for him. Which, you know, seems like, a really basic question or really like innocent question, right? Like, go take care of Saul, Ananias. Um, and it's a compelling vision. And and then Ananias is like, oh, pump the brakes right there. Um, not sure that I want to do that. Because Saul's reputation preceded him. He was known for the persecution of Christians. So after his first appearance at Stephen's stoning, that wasn't the only time. Paul describes himself as a zealot against Christians. So his reputation precedes him. And Ananias does not want to go and help him. And I have to be honest that I don't blame him. I don't know how I would feel. I mean, how would you feel? And yet, God prevails and Ananias goes and and takes care of Paul. And as Ananias saw Saul, he put his hands on him so Paul could see. And I wonder at this point in the story, what if Ananias hadn't gone? What if Ananias's fears or hesitations about him were kept him from going? If no one had gone to see him, would Paul be able to see? Would the world have known what Paul has to say? If Ananias had said, I just can't help that evil person, what would have happened next? It's not what happened, though. Ananias went. 
And then Saul becomes Paul. And Paul spends the rest of his life trying to be known for something else. Not for, no, not for his mistakes and errors, although he takes, um, he, he works on um, taking the blame and taking accountability for what he has done. He acknowledges the harm that he has done to others. He acknowledges his mistakes and errors and yet doesn't want to be known by them. I mean, who would? He wants to be known of his love and following of Jesus Christ. And he's sharing that message with others. Don't follow me, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Jesus has done this. And he shares this message of the gospel and of Jesus everywhere that he can, in particular with the Gentile community. And this was part of the disagreement that Peter and Paul had with each other, is um, Peter thought uh, that this message of Jesus was especially for the Jewish people. And Paul says, no, I think it's for everyone. And they disagreed about this, but ultimately decided, okay, Peter will go and um, evangelize and proselytize to the Jewish community, and Paul will go to the Gentile community. Um, And so they sort of agreed to disagree um, and went their separate ways, still committed to Jesus Christ and the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is known for sharing this message of the gospel with others. We know about Saul, Paul's experience with Jesus. What has your experience with Jesus been? How has Jesus changed your life? How has Jesus changed you? Now, sometimes those changes are in big, visible ways, like the story of Saul who became Paul. Or maybe your story is that maybe you were an alcoholic or drug addict and you found sobriety. Maybe you had an anger problem and you were unkind to people and you had a change of heart, a change of being. Maybe you had racist behavior and once you knew differently, you behaved differently. Maybe once you were lost and now you're found. Maybe once you were blind or had scales over your eyes and now you see. And the thing about seeing is that once you see, you can't unsee. Once you know, you can't unknow. You can try and forget. And maybe you might be successful until someone reminds you. Or you can pretend I didn't see, you didn't see, like, la, 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 la. oh, I guess you don't have to, but like, um, I didn't see. But it doesn't change the fact that once you see, you can't unsee. Once you know, you can't unknow. And so what happens when the scales fall off your eyes? When you have someone who shows you something better? When an Ananias comes to you and says, you have hurt my people. And yet, here is a blessing from God. Someone who shows you a new way to be and says you don't have to be the person that you were. Sometimes it might be easier to have the scales back over your eyes because you know that way of life. You know that way of being. And it can be hard to find your footing in this new way of being. 
you'll still make mistakes and you'll still be learning. Shauna Nyquist, who is um, an author and a speaker, she wrote her newest book is called I Guess I Haven't Learned That Yet. And that became her motto as she was trying to find new ways of being after the old ways didn't work anymore. Instead of feeling ashamed or scared or avoiding doing something, she said, I guess I just haven't learned that yet. And then, so now let's learn. Because once you know, you can't unknow. Once you see, you can't unsee. Now, in your life, in this particular moment, maybe you're not the person being changed at this moment in your life. Maybe you're the community of support. Maybe you're helping to love someone into their better self. Sometimes that love also helps us love ourselves better, too. That's the incredible news of the gospel story. The gospel takes everything that we know and turns it on its head. God says, guess what? I claimed you first. And that claim is echoed from the beginning of time. I claimed you as you. I loved you as you. And with you, I am with you. Even in those moments where we encounter Jesus and Jesus says, what are you doing? Jesus still says, You are mine. And Jesus' whole life and ministry was teaching us how to love and be loved, to show us that we are worthy of of being loved. Know that you are worthy of forgiveness from others, from God, and even and especially from yourself. And you are worthy to be loved by others, by God, and by yourself. We're working on perfection. We are a work in progress. You will make mistakes. You will mess up in big and small ways. You will sometimes not meet even the expectations that you have for yourself. You will fail, sometimes spectacularly. But it's not the end of the world. You know, last week was Pentecost. And during worship in person, um, I forgot to wear my red. Um, Or at least I wore a sweater um, that I thought had more red in it than it actually did. And then um, as I was getting dressed and ready for the morning, like, just nothing was going right. And so I, like, had nothing to wear. And so I wore this sweater that didn't have as much red. And, and some folks told me, which I was like, I know. I tell everybody else to wear red, and then I didn't. Um, and then we did this um, this experiment with flypaper uh, where we were writing our hopes and dreams, and then we were going to light it on fire, and it was going to float up. And I did it, and it didn't work. And so we brought them outside, and then the lighters didn't work. And in my head, I was like this is a failure. Like this is a hot mess express. And I was ready to just be like, just kind of, you know, throw my hands up in the air. Um, And then after worship, someone said to me, this service was exactly what I needed. I needed hope and dreams Then someone else said, I was reading some of these hopes and dreams of other people, and I found my own in there as well, and I don't feel alone. 
Sometimes what we do may be a hot mess express and feel like a failure. And then the Holy Spirit rushes in like a mighty wind and we're left staring hope in the face. We are a work in progress. We're working on it. I guess I haven't learned that yet. And we'll keep trying. The Holy Spirit invites us into the story that God, that God has been writing from the beginning of time. And we do get to be a part of it, to tell our parts, like Saul becoming Paul, or like Melissa becoming a child of God, recognizing that, or insert your name, becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. We get to tell our parts of the story the parts that are beautiful and the parts that maybe aren't. And yet God is still present in them. So may we help write this story with God. May we tell the story of who we truly are, beloved children of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.